Let me get to where I'm going here. It's good to see you all. It's been a while since I've had a chance to visit with you from here, and so I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I know those chairs are hard, so I, I promise I won't be long. But uh, let me get rid of that. Anyway, Memorial Day weekend, right? That's uh, good. It's, uh, it's really my first opportunity that I've had in a while to take a breath. May was an interesting month for me. Um, started out with my mom having a heart attack. That was really pleasant. And uh, she's doing better now. She's living at home. And Wendy and I get to see her a lot more than we used to. But uh, that's good. And, uh, uh, you know, then we had the graduation right after the heart attack. And so we headed out to Michigan for our last graduation at Hillsdale College. That was pretty cool. And we've got the kids all leaving and going places. And so we're seeing them off and everything. Um, That's, of course, in the context of my preparation for my trial in June, which which is going to be over about $12 million. So that's been interesting. And uh, for the last couple of months, my health has been horrible, and it's just kind of been an interesting period of time. Uh, so, you know, May was fun for me um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, life is can be a little bit like you know, how it is today, I guess. You know, you wake up and it's kind of dark and the clouds are all there and and uh, you're sort of wondering when you're going to see the sun again, right? Um, that's kind of how uh, May has been for me. Life kind of comes at us swiftly at times. You know, we've seen a few storms this year that have come at people pretty fast and suddenly uh, everything changes. And... Uh, we hope we don't get swept away. So uh, Memorial Day weekend for me is a good time to, to kind of take a breath and reflect on things. Uh, you know, three-day weekend, get a chance to, to rest a little bit. And it's right at the start of summer. And I, and I promise you, I promise you, summer is coming. I, I have that directly from, you know, a source upstairs. And uh, by tomorrow, I think I can say with confidence that, you know, you'll be wearing your shorts and wondering why you thought it was so cold, right? But summer is coming, and it's something to look forward to. Um, and I think that uh, I agree with a person who said that, they, that uh, summer is, is something that God made as a foretaste of heaven. Don't you think? That, that's a, a statement that uh, is commendable, something that I would agree with, um, because... As you think about summer, uh, it, it's, it's just a beautiful time. I mean, uh, I love getting up uh, at 5.30 like I usually do in, in the summer because when you get up at 5.30 in the summer, it's pretty much light outside. And, you know, it's, it's not like uh, getting up at 5.30 on, in January 2nd and, you know, it's going to be dark for the next three hours. Uh, it, it's really kind of cool that you can go outside and it's, mild and the wind is blowing and just a little bit, you know, just to cool things down and you can sit outside and uh, just spend a little time 
uh, out in, in the beauty of nature. And obviously that's something that God has given us all. Um, summer is, is kind of a video preview of the eternal summer, the time that we will have to spend with him uh, when we are in eternity. Um, in Revelation 21, verse 23, it tells us that we won't even need the sun when we're in heaven because the glory of God will be shining so brightly that the sun and the moon will no longer be necessary. So we can just imagine what that's going to be like. And uh, it sort of reminds me at a time like this of the invitation we receive from God in Matthew chapter 11. And I wanted to go there first and just uh, read it to you because this is really good. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so I thought to myself, you know, that's an invitation we get at all times of the year, but it's one that helps us to think about how to spend our summer well. And uh, sometimes summer can be one of those times where we sort of forget about the fact that, that uh, we are part of his church, that we represent God to the world, and uh, that we uh, live in his glory and for the purpose of reflecting that glory. And so I wanted to um, focus on a passage in Hebrews. I, I love this passage because uh, it talks about the importance of, of us uh, thinking about that at all times. And Hebrews chapter 4 uh, is, uh, is where we look at that. Hebrews chapter 4, starting with verse 9, George just read it for us. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. This is a passage that talks about, first it talks about Israel and how Israel was brought to the promised land. Uh, it was to be a land of rest for them, but you know they weren't willing to go in. They were afraid. Uh, they thought the people there were going to hurt them. And so they said, you know, we don't want to go there. No thanks. Uh, might be nice. You know, land of milk and honey, yeah, 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 but we're not going, okay? And so they just said, no, you know, we won't do it. And eventually... Joshua brought him into the land. But we're reminded in Hebrews chapter 4 that that was not the final rest. That was not the time of rest for all of God's people. And uh, so he says there remains a rest, a, a Sabbath rest for the people of God, an opportunity to really rest in his peace. And uh, one of the things that's interesting about this passage to me is it says that rest remains but then it says, in verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but 
That's a little strange to me. Because if I'm resting, right? If I were sitting here and resting, I would not be making a whole lot of effort, would I? Um, in fact, we, we tend to think of rest as, as effortless. It, it's kind of the opposite of effort, right? But here in this passage, uh, he speaks of rest as something that takes effort, okay? And I guess as I think about it, I can understand that. Because, you know, as I look at this last month that I've had, um, you know, if I wanted to rest, it took effort. Uh, I have to say, you know, there have been nights that I didn't sleep very well. And it was an effort to try to rest. And so um, I, I think I see what he's saying here. And I wanted to share that with you today and, and give you some thoughts on uh, how we go about the effort of entering God's rest. How do we do that? What is it that we do to enter God's rest? And, you know, as we think about it, he invites us. He invites us to that rest. Jesus says, come to me because I want to give you rest. Okay? So how do we go about doing that? What is the effort that brings us rest? Um, Well, the first place I wanted to go was uh, in Colossians chapter 1. Because one of the things I want to remind us of is, is who we're talking about here. And I, I think it will help us to see how we enter that rest. Colossians chapter 1 speaks of Jesus. And, and this is Paul, and he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And uh, I think it's a, a good summary of Jesus and who we're talking about here. As we think about the concept of rest in Scripture, the first place we see rest is in Genesis, right? Because you have, uh, you have God, and he opens things by saying, okay, I'm going to create the universe. And that's what he does, and it takes him six days, and then what does he do? Right? On the seventh day, he rested. Right? And so uh, we see that concept beginning right away in Genesis chapter 1. And the interesting thing about the seventh day is that there's no eighth day. It, it, do, it never says, uh, you know, there's evening and morning and then we get to the next day. So we see in Genesis that we continue in the rest of God. That he is resting in that sense, all right? That, that he has done his work and he is resting. And uh, the second thing that we see in Scripture is we see Jesus doing his work, right? We see him 
doing his work, coming down to earth, and he comes to us, and uh, he dies on the cross, and what does he say at the time of his death on the cross? He says, it is finished, right? My work is done, okay? So I think we see in this passage in Colossians, uh, we, we see the fact that that rest is there for all of us. We see that Jesus has brought peace between himself and us, between God and us, God the Father. It's there for us to, to grab, to, to take in whatever form we can. And so I think we need to understand that with Jesus, we are, that rest is available to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we have to understand how to enter it. Um, let's go to Acts chapter 3. That's another place where I think we get a little bit of a picture of the rest and how to enter it. Acts chapter 3 is a section where uh, Peter and John are going up to the temple and there's a man who is crippled from birth at the temple and he begs at the temple and he uh, asks them for alms or whatever they could give him at the time. And uh, Peter doesn't give him alms he, he doesn't give him uh, money, but what he does do is he grabs him by the hand and pulls him up and heals him, right? Uh, so he says, you know, I don't have money, but I'll, I'll give you what I have. And, and he brings him to healing. And then Peter speaks of the significance of the healing to the people who are there. And he says to them, starting in verse 17 of chapter 3, now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. So what is Peter saying here? I, I think what we see him telling us is this is the way we find our way to rest. And it starts with repentance. It starts with our willingness to say, uh, we need you, Father, we need you, Jesus, and to, to turn to God and to say to him, uh, you know, we really need what you can give us, Lord. And, and it's through that turning to him. It's through believing who he is and accepting that in our lives, that we really begin to find the peace that Christ has brought through his death and resurrection. So Acts chapter 3, verse 19 begins, and, and I think it's interesting that he says uh, that as we repent, as we turn to God, that times of refreshing will come from the Lord, that we will be given his peace, that we will be given his rest as we turn to him. I think another place that we see it very well is in Colossians chapter 3. And I would love to spend a lot of time on that today, but I know those chairs are already getting hard. So I'm going to go through this pretty quick, but I, you know, I encourage you to write it down and think about it and reflect on it because these passages are going to be very important to understanding the concept of rest in Christ. Um. First of all, starting in Colossians 3, uh, uh, verses 1 and 2, 
Paul is speaking to the, the Colossians now. He's kind of given them this picture of Christ and who he is. And then he says, okay, what does that mean for you? How, how do you live now in view of who Christ is and what he's done for us? And in chapter 3, he says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So I think one of the things he says is, you know, here's your summer mindset, okay? Here's the way to look at uh, those times of rest and reflection that we have. You know, these are little pieces of heaven. These are little pieces of times when we will be with him. And, and we are to set our minds on those things. We are to look to our, our time with him in heaven, and we are to build toward that time as we're here on earth. Uh, we're able to do that because, you know, he has given us his peace. He has given us his ability to experience the kingdom now, to be a part of his kingdom right here where we live. And even in times that are very difficult, we can have that peace. So what is a summer state of mind? What is a state of mind where uh, we are ready to experience his peace and to live in the rest that he gives us? Well, I think he talks about that a lot as we go on in Colossians. Um, Starting with verse 12, for example. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Do you begin to see now... uh, what we're looking for in terms of our summer mindset, in terms of the mindset of living in God's rest. Um, He almost, uh, it's almost a change of clothes, right? I mean, he says, uh, take off that old stuff, you know, take off the, the stuff that you were wearing because it was cold and bleak and horrible out there and uh, put on your new clothes, you know, put on your t-shirt and your and your uh, shorts, and, and clothe yourself in, in, the, uh, in the clothes that we have as God's chosen people, as the ones who can experience his rest fully, even now. He says, clothe ourselves with compassion, clothe, our, clothe ourselves with humility, with kindness, with gentleness, with patience. One of the things that I thought of as I was trying to think of how to express uh, this mindset was I remember in Matthew 18 where Jesus brings the little children to him. And, uh, you know, the disciples are saying, don't do that, Jesus. You know, you can't waste your time on these kids. That's silly, right? And Jesus says, no, 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 bring them to me. And, And he tells them that if they don't have faith like little children, then they can't experience the kingdom, right? And, and I think that one of the things that's hard for us, I, some of us are little children here or younger children today, so that's good. Cause, uh, but, you know, I think about my kids and, and I think about the fact that uh, when they were little, they didn't worry about, you know, where their next meal was coming from. They didn't worry about whether they were going to have clothes or not, you know? They didn't worry if they were going to have a bed to sleep in or something fun to do. And why was that? Well, 
The answer to that is simple, because it was provided for them, right? Uh, They just got up in the morning and showed up, and everything they needed was there, right? And uh, so I know it's hard, (laughs) because as adults, it doesn't feel that way anymore, you know? I'm now providing for my mother. She's not providing for me anymore, right? But that doesn't mean we don't have a provider. That doesn't mean we don't have somebody who's ready to give us what we need. And, uh, and I think in the scriptures we've seen so far, we've seen that we have not just a provider, but a perfect one. One who's capable of giving us everything we need. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And so when Jesus speaks of having faith like little children, I think that's what he's talking about. Uh, I, I think that what we have to do, the effort that we have to make to enter that rest, is we have to take that anxiety that we have about providing for our family or, or that fear that we have of you know, falling behind everybody else or that desire that we have to be the most important lawyer you know, on the planet or whatever. Okay, I don't know what you're doing for sure, but I mean, we all have those things, don't we? We want to be significant. We want to make sure that we provide for ourselves. Uh, those are all things that, that really get to us at times. And, and what we have to realize is that the faith of a little child is that God will provide. He will be there. And, you know, even if the finances don't look very good or the health seems to be failing, or, you know, any number of other things are going to be a problem. I'm losing my job, right? Uh, faith, like a little child, means that we will go to him and we'll say, God, I know you have my best interest at heart, and, and you're going to be there. And, and that's really the effort that we have to make to enter that rest. I read an article recently that was interesting to me. I don't exactly know why I was reading about Brad Pitt, but I was. Um, I think that, you know, I've gone a little crazy this month with all the things that have happened to me. But it was an interesting article, and and the reason I read it was because the title of it was, Brad Pitt says Christian upbringing was stifling. Okay? Um, That was his, the the title of the article, and it caught me. I got it. Um, And so I started reading it. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but Brad Pitt grew up in a home in Missouri, and his parents are Southern Baptists, okay? And uh, his brother, in fact, is one of the elders, leaders of a big church in Springfield, Missouri. That's the Southern Baptist Church. And they were interviewing Mr. Pitt because apparently he's in a new movie. I don't know if it's even out yet, but it's called Tree of Life. Uh, it was a uh, big winner at the Cannes Film Festival. I, I did a little research on this because I knew I was going to be talking about it. Um, and it's all about the meaning of life. And so it's, it's a study in the meaning of life. And I'm sure I won't understand it even a little bit. But in any event, they wanted to talk about to Brad Pitt about the meaning of life because, you know, he's in a movie about the meaning of life. And so he said, yeah... Uh, you know, I got brought up and I got told things were God's way and, 
well, you know, things just didn't quite work out like I thought they were going to. And frankly, uh, you know, I have my issues with it. He says, don't get me started. I found my upbringing stifling. Okay? And as they talked to him more about it, he said that he found himself abandoning the religious beliefs he grew up with. He said, when I got untethered from the comfort of religion, it wasn't a loss of faith for me. It was a discovery of self. I had faith that I'm capable enough to handle any situation. There's peace in understanding that I have only one life here and now, and I'm responsible. Okay? Interesting way to go. Now, uh, that, that is uh, a philosophy that a lot of people hold these days. And um, I think he's probably expressing, you know, many people's view of the church frankly. Um, and, and I think sometimes it isn't real hard for us to look at the church as stifling, right? Sometimes we say, do I really need to show up there on a Sunday morning? You know, uh, do, I, do I really need to go to this life group every Wednesday night, right? I wasn't in life group last Wednesday, so, you know, I was thinking about that. I was busy, though. I was, I was doing my pretrial. But anyway, you know, isn't that, I mean, he's expressing a, a feeling that some of us may have had at times, right? And, and I think part of it is that it's very hard for us sometimes to uh, uh, allow ourselves to rest in God. We say, you know what? I'm not getting what I want in life. This isn't coming to me. And, and so I need to take control. You know, I need to be the one who's responsible. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be responsible. That's very important. We do want to be responsible in life. But there are things that we cannot control. And there are things that we're not going to be able to do for ourselves. And I think one of the things that's interesting to me about the way that Mr. Pitt has gone is he said to himself, you know what? Um, this is all about rules and, you know, acting like I'm supposed to, and I don't want to do this anymore. I want to live my own life. I want to be myself, okay? I don't want to be what somebody else tells me to be. And, and I think that that's a good point, to be honest. Because if church is about being what somebody else wants you to be, uh, if that person is not Christ, okay, then it shouldn't be about that. And in fact, one of the things that made me think about was the story of the prodigal son. Right? And, and I understand we did the prodigal son in my life group, though I was not there last Wednesday. But I did hear about it secondhand. And, and as I heard about it, I thought to myself, you know, this fits my message really well. Because if you think about the story of the prodigal son, there were two sons in that story, right? And... The one son was a guy who said, you know, he was so interested in getting his stuff that he, he just wanted his dad to be out of the picture so he could have his share of the inheritance, right? And, and he just said, Dad, you know, I, I wish you were dead so I could have my money and, and do my own thing. And, and uh, his dad said, well, okay, then I guess I'll act like I am dead and you can have your money. And you go on and do your thing. And he did. 
And then you had the second son, and the second son was there on the farm, and every day he'd get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and he would go out and, you know, milk the cows or whatever had to be done and work all day and come in about 10 o'clock at night and, you know, have a little bit of meal and go to bed and start over again the next day, right? And the question of, of the story of the prodigal son is, which of those two sons should we be? Which of those two sons should we be? And the answer to that question is, neither of them. Right? That is the answer to the question. It's neither of them. And the reason is because the first guy says, God is dead, and I'm glad, because I want to be my own man. That's the Brad Pitt story, you know? As far as I'm concerned, he's dead. And, and I'm going to do my own thing because that's where I'll find myself, right? And the second guy says, God's not dead, but I hate it, you know? Because every time I turn around, I've got to do what he wants me to do. And, you know, okay, I'm, I'm doing it because I'm a good guy and I'm a nice kid, but I hate it. It's making me really sick. And, you know, I just can't wait till I can finally have everything I wanted because I did all the things I was supposed to do. Right? And, and see, I think maybe the problem for the Pitt family was they had both of those people in that family. And that's not what church is supposed to be, is it? That's not what we're supposed to be as people. And, and to me, what that does is takes me right back to this point that he makes in Hebrews. He tells us to make every effort to enter his rest. See, we don't make a splash with God because of all the things we do. And we don't make a splash with God if we just ignore him either. The, the way that we really find rest in him is to have the faith of a little child. To say to ourselves, you know, we're going to obey not because, uh, you know, that gets us somewhere with God. But we're going to obey because we love our dad. Because he's our father and he will provide for us. It was so wonderful when my kids were little and they would love me just because. Just because I was their dad. Right? Just because, you know, when they got up in the morning, they looked at me and they went, wow, that's my dad. He's pretty cool. And then they got to be five or eight or, geez, 12 or 13. Oh, no. You know, that's a whole different life, right? It really is. And, uh, and you know, things got a little more complicated at that point. Not that I don't love them. And not that they don't love me. It just doesn't seem that way at times. So the point is that uh, the faith of a little child is very important to us as Christians. Because what we need to do is we need to love our Father and obey Him. Not because it gets us anywhere, but because it shows our love. Because that's the way we respond to his great and infinite love for us. 
So, interestingly enough, as you go on in Colossians 3, he talks about all of these things that we're to clothe ourselves with. Then he says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Do you see where we're going here? You know, how are we to be as people? If we're resting in God, we have the ability to be compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient. If we are resting in God, we can bear with each other because even though people can be kind of nasty sometimes, we can still forgive them. Think of all the things that God forgave us. And finally, the thing that characterizes God the most, the thing that he really is in essence is love. And that is what we are to be if we're going to be his children. And so those things are going to characterize our life if we rest in him. If we, if we let him fight those battles for us, if we let him be the one who decides whether or not somebody deserves judgment, And if we give people the love that he has given us because we are like our Father. Finally, he says in Colossians, and I'm going to be done in about a minute. So if your bottom hurts, it won't hurt very much anymore soon. He says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. And I think that what I see in this passage is this is the way of rest. Uh, this is the way we are to be. And, you know, if our church was characterized by all those things, if it is characterized by all those things, uh, we're not going to end up with people like Brad Pitt who find it stifling, who find it useless. You know, it's going to be a place where people can come and find rest. And that's what we want to be, a place where people can come and find rest for their souls. He says in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 17, and I'll finish with this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God the Father through him. I just encourage you as you think about summer, uh, you know, we're going to have fun, we're going to rest, we're going to do things that will restore us, because that's the way summer is. But I, I would encourage you in all that you do to think about uh, being a little bit of a Christ to everyone else so they can see him for the summer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for uh, the love and the grace that we have in you. We thank you that we can join you in the rest that you have. And we just pray, Father, that you would 
uh, give us today that rest, that peace, that we know that you're our Father, you will provide for us. Give us the faith of a little child so that we are able to share your love with others.